All Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. Previously on All Things Unexplained. The deadly looked out and looked up, and it was it was hovering directly above him. And he said, "All he could see was a looked like a red flame or something in the center of the thing." And it scared him so bad he didn't go forward. He went backwards and turned around and took off back towards the floor. And he got on his radio and said, "Anybody." Anybody listening, look west of floor and see if you can see a light in the sky. Well, it was, it was a highway patrolman. And a, they, they, everybody on the radio heard him. That's when they all started out there. So when I got there, the thing was covering about, I don't know, 15, 20 feet off the ground or maybe closer. And it was, it was metallic blue. And right around the center of it, it had a row of, they wasn't close together, they was probably several feet apart, a row of portholes, it looked like, in the ship. And there was a light, you could see it was lit up in there. And the thing was, as I said, metallic blue, and it, it was like you took two old plantation bales, the shape of it, and put them together with a big end and with a little end. It was big in the center, and it kind of tapered down on each end. And it was sitting there, and it was, it was kind of swinging like a pendulum, barely moving back and forth, just like a pendulum, with a pendulum does in a clock. And we sat there and watched it for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. All right, everybody, welcome to All Things Unexplained. This is episode two, a very brief history of UFOs. No, Siri, I'm not talking to you. A very brief history of UFOs. <laughs> I'm Dr. Mounts. I don't know why my phone thinks I'm talking to her every time I say certain things. Uh, I'm Dr. Mounts. You can catch up with me. She's at... just used to you demanding women to answer questions. That's the only really person you can get to talk to you, so <laughs> whatever. It's the only person I can take seriously that's for sure but anyway uh i'm done <laughs> that was an e flapper <laughs> i liked it but uh, i'm dr mouse you can catch up with me at squatching.com where i've got my cryptid field educational children's book I like to books rather not book books new one coming out in october as a matter of fact hopefully if i can uh finish up with this eternal first grade homeschooling i've got my co-host uh smitty neves with me tonight you can catch up with him at smitty.website <laughs> it's about time you introduce us <laughs> after that long rambling self-introduction <laughs> which uh by the way nobody's ever seen that website so 
whether it exists or not, I'm not going to say, but it it could be there. And I'd like to say hi to, to Smitty's hat. It's uh, making an appearance today. <laughs> you can see my face. It's um, <laughs> this this act. No, I can't see your face. I don't know about CJ, but it uh, totally reminds me of the anonymous Bob Lazar interviews we'll talk about later where, you know, they just put him in a shadow where they don't show his face. So this, this kind of fits with our vibe for tonight. Oh, it reminds me of, um, who was the neighbor on home improvement where you would only see part of his face. Oh, Mr. Wilson. But I did get to see enough of Smitty's eyes when he was looking at his children. Like, <laughs> I'm about to record. Please go in the other room. He, he, he <laughs> the, let out the, the parent eyes. We the, know it all well. He let loose with the classic Southern line of "Go on, get, get out of here." I couldn't tell if he's talking to his kids or his dogs. Why? <laughs> but I uh, also like to welcome our uh, third co-host cj derringer cj welcome and of course you could catch up with her too and actually no no need to catch up with me anywhere at lots of places all things unexplained.com you can touch base with her she's on facebook at all things unexplained podcast (laughs) she's on instagramming all the time at the same thing all All things unexplained podcast yes and yes, she's, if there uh, are replies there, they're most certainly from me. She's really getting her thoughts out there on Twitter, too, at A-T Unexplained. A-T Unexplained. Uh, and, of course, we are available everywhere podcasts can be heard. So that's us. Guys and girls, welcome back. A-T Unexplained. There's no dash there. It's just... No, it's just capital mm-hmm. A, capital T... Capital U, and explain, A-T. <laughs> Good to know. I'm trying to use my phonics. I haven't, I'm trying to catch up on phonics again. But welcome back, everybody. And uh, I'd like to say cheers. I know CJ's got a little drink with her. And CJ, cheers. We'll ring in the cheers. next episode. What, what have you got there? Grape juice. Fermented. I'm, I was going to say, I'm sure that it is derived from grapes in some way. <laughs> hold, hold that glass up. Let me see it again, if you don't yes. mind. Get a little higher. I had to bring up my other screen. Oh, does that say AF, capital AF? It does, which we don't need to go into what that means, but it says thankful AF. All right. Cheers to that. Thankful <laughs> AF, Smitty. Oh, by the way, before I get to Smitty, I'm going with a, a German beer tonight. Excuse my German accent. Baron Wies. Wies? Baron Stark trademark. Uh, gee, I can't read the rest of that. It's been made since 1516, though, so I'm assuming it's pretty good. Baron Wies. I think it means uh, liver cirrhosis in <laughs> in German. Well, it has a has a picture of a bear on it, so I don't know if bear represents strong liver. I don't, I don't think Germany Germans maybe. get cirrhosis of the liver. They don't. Maybe not. I've got a glass of milk. 
that's okay. You do not have milk. Well, I did. Oh my goodness. I just drank some milk. Yeah. Southern, what a southern boy you are. You got no cornbread no. put in there? No, I ate some pop tarts and some milk. <laughs> that's that's good eating right there. That's that's actually what I. If I ever get sent to death row, that will be my last meal request. As a matter of fact. Well, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen eventually. But anyhow. Perf <laughs> Not sure where you're going with that, but preferably frosted strawberry. So. That's exactly what I just ate. Boom. Here, fist, fist bump. Glad, glad we're on the same uh, Pop-Tart flavor bandwagon there. But we, tonight we do have a very brief history of UFOs. I'm glad that... Smitty, apparently, is a history teacher. Is that right? On your as your side gig? Yeah, I'm not. Apparently, I am. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like I don't know, almost twenty years or so. So yeah. Wow, you are really getting old. So, well, that's good. You should be able to chime in on our timeline with any ex extra events or you know fill in the gaps of anything I miss which is rare, of course, but if I miss anything or get anything wrong, just let us know, Smitty, on these events. And uh, CJ, I think, knows a little bit about the 60s, so she can help with that. Not a thing, but I'll do my best. <laughs> she was born in the 60s, wasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Cheers to the 60s. So, anyway... We're actually going to start in prehistory tonight, but our our tale really picks up with Mr. the rest of Mr. Billy's story from episode one, who you heard in the flashback. But our tale tonight really revolves around three key figures here in the history of UFOs, and that's Mr. Billy, who's our key figure, Bob Lazar, who really came into uh, infamous notoriety in the 80s, when he when it came forward uh, for a local news station that he was working at a facility called S4. Now, S4 apparently was just south or close to Area 51, and Bob Lazar at first was doing some anonymous interviews with, with one future co host of Coast to Coast AM, George Knapp, who at the time was working for a local station. And... And Bob Lazar had some crazy things to tell. Bob Lazar said they've got UFOs at this S4 facility, and he was hired to reverse engineer them. So Bob Lazar is one of our figures in this tale tonight. Mr. Billy's another one, and the final figure has become a kind of a mythological figure in his own right, even having a television show currently about him called Project Blue Book, airing on the History Channel, and that's one Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Now, for those that don't know, Dr. Hynek was an astronomer who was brought in by the Air Force in the 40s, and we'll get into that. And he was basically brought in to debunk all these UFO experiences that people were having. But y'all know what? Dr. Hynek wasn't what? having it. Dr. Heineck wasn't having it. He wasn't having it, huh? A real, a real 
teacher in my book didn't just you know follow the party line punch clock every day and squill tires out of the parking lot at 3.01 p.m. like <clears throat> some people I know first That's graders right. some people <laughs> leave at um 12.30 in the afternoon yeah. so we better move on here real quick <laughs> Hey, I like to say that I put in my retirement years, you know, as I was working tenfold for a little span there. I think Smitty can attest to that. So, right, right, Smitty. Yep. Oh, he... yeah. You put in some really hard work there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was stressful. And, and dri- that's dripping with sarcasm, by the way. But... <laughs> Prehistory. Y'all like my prehistory mood music? Yes. Very dark. History. Prehistory must have been dark. It, it kind of reminds me of 2001 and Space Odyssey at the beginning. Can I assume either one of you has seen that classic? Yeah. You well, can I assume think. whatever you would like. Yes. Absolutely. I knew I could count on Smitty. Got a. Uh, oh. Richard Dreyfus in it, doesn't it? Well, it has a host flock of Neanderthals at the beginning. Is he one of those? Oh, 2000 Space Odyssey. No, I don't know that I saw that. I saw uh, what am I thinking about? Uh, you know, first uh, first encounters of the third kind. I'm pretty sure that was wrong in every way that could possibly be wrong, but is <laughs> <laughs> it not I, I think you mean close encounters. Encounters of third kind. I think you mean close oh, yeah, encounters encounter of the third, third kind. Now, who yeah. made who made that movie? Steven Spielberg. That's right. And guess who actually just had a cameo appearance in Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Doctor Heineck. Bingo. One Doctor J. Allen Heineck makes a cameo in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Do you know what Dr. Heineck's contribution to get to be a cameo appearance in Close Encounters Third Kind happened to be? He didn't probe anybody, did he? No, no. <laughs> just uh, audio probes. But no, Dr. Heineck actually... <laughs> audio probes, that's pretty good. Thanks. So Dr. Heineck actually... <laughs> Invented the term "close encounters of the third kind." Oh, so, Doctor did know that actually. Yes, yes. So CJ's catching on here. So Doctor Heineck actually came up with the terms "close encounters of the first kind, second kind, and third kind." I think, in general speaking, as far as prehistory and everything tells us, you don't want to be in on the third kind. Kind of like what Smitty was talking <laughs> about. 
I just remember they made that big giant mountain out of mashed potatoes. Yes, I think that was Richard Dreyfus that made the mashed potato mountain. Yeah. Or as we say, mashed taters. Well, this all seems very relevant. Correct. It is. So speaking of pre- <laughs> speaking of prehistory, you know, we had dinosaurs and uh, you might ask, well, what do dinosaurs have to do with the history of UFOs? And- well, hey, what did dinosaurs have to do with the history of UFOs? Funny you should ask that, CJ. <laughs> I'll give you one guess. It's pretty obvious to me. I think Smitty can come up with the answer. I don't know. You froze. Is he freezing to you too? Every once in a while, yeah. But he's always been pretty cold. Well, that's true. Not cool, but cold. <laughs> right, yeah. Just, just to be clear. I'd like to say it's cold as ice. Well, some people think a meteor wiped out the dinosaurs, but... I'll give you one much better idea about what wiped out the dinosaurs. COVID. If dinosaurs were around today, COVID would wipe them out, but no. (laughs) Extraterrestrials, of course. So a lot of people do think extraterrestrial involvement was involved in dinosaurs and their disappearance. Maybe even in their appearance, because obviously... You kind of either believe dinosaurs were already here or dinosaurs emerged from the ooze, as it were, from something and just evolved into T-Rexes and brontosaurs and all that, velociraptors, all that good stuff. So You, know, actually, you, can, you can only ooze two things, puss and sexiness. <laughs> I'm going to guess which one you've got covered. Oh, it's the sex people. <laughs> so, it, do, it does make me think of a... It's so gross on so many levels. <laughs> it does make me think of something that... Uh, now, who wrote, who wrote Astrophysics for People in a Hurry? Neil deGrasse Tyson, so... Hey! Don't yeah, answer so, that before I can. That's yeah. the only answer I know tonight. Well, you weren't paying attention, so... I was paying attention. Oh, come on. So, you know, somebody asked him one time, what is the most amazing thing about the universe? Smitty. <laughs> I guess in a roundabout way of speaking, that's correct. And so, Neil, he said... I think he doesn't mind if I call him <laughs> Neil. He said... <laughs> The most ama- more or less, the most amazing part about the universe is that we, our bodies are made up of the exact same atoms that the stars are made up of, right? Yeah. And that when we look up at the stars, it's it's kind of like we're looking at our kinfolk. He didn't say that, but I'm going to throw that part in there. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the most amazing part about the universe. And so it kind of makes sense that if we're made up of the same thing as star matter, that dinosaurs were too and whatever came from the stars to make the dinosaurs certainly could have come from the stars to take them back out prehistory we kind of had a lot of stuff happening in the bible smitty don't you do a little something with the bible on the side yeah yeah i do what uh what do you want to know about it well they say some towns were wiped out at least in the old testament by ufos 
Well, I don't know about you. God wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah with brimstone and fire. Well, that is what it says in the Bible about Sodom and Gomorrah. Of course, I don't know if brooms, you know, actual brooms were involved. Is that what you said, brooms? You said brimstone. <laughs> brimstone. <laughs> It was quite the I, Halloween. I was picturing this like major Harry Potter style attack. <laughs> they may have been swept out, not wiped out with brooms. <laughs> well, Sodom and Gomorrah is an example, and there there are other examples of towns in the Bible where flying craft destroy the towns. You know, maybe they. Oh, it's in there. I'll find it for you. But maybe it's a curse from God. You know, they they obviously had to put it in terms of their own vocabulary. They could not describe anything, if you think about it, beyond what their own vocabulary was, right? So it's not surprising in, in some instances if they called it fire or brooms or brimstone or <laughs> flying scrolls, as it were. Flying scrolls, I think that's the King James Version. And Smitty, what flying squirrel? Flying squirrels probably came from UFOs as well. Smitty, what about Elijah? I think you need to put that can down. <laughs> <It's getting laughs> a crazy. But what about him? She got carried up into a was a chariot of fire, wasn't it? Or was that an Enoch? One no. of them, I get them backwards. One of them was in a whirlwind. One was in chariot of fire. Yep. And so later we'll talk about another fellow that got carried up into a chariot of fire. And let me tell you, he did not have a good time in the chariot of fire. That's a by silence. I know a guy who went down in a ring of fire. That was Johnny Cash. Yeah, but I I thought that had something to do with the commercial. But never mind, we won't get into that. If we're still on the prehistory, it's going to be a long time before we get to current day. So we're going to get rolling. So as a matter of fact, Bob Lazar actually went on the Joe Rogan experience and had something very interesting to say about the prehistory of UFOs. Let's hear what Bob Lazar, this is one of our key figures in the history of UFOs that we're talking about. Let's hear what Bob Lazar had to tell Joe Rogan. And I think at least one of them was part of an archaeological dig. So it's old. Something one at least one of them is old. I don't know if it was the one I worked on, but I remember something to do with an archaeological dig. Whoa. So that's uh that means it's not just old, it's ancient. He's talking about a UFO. He is, so he's saying that while he was working at this S4 facility, at least one of them, and he claimed that there were nine UFOs there, but at least not, at least one of them was discovered in an archaeological dig. So imagine guys out, uh, Indiana Jones style, you know, digging for T-Rexes, looking for the, you know, looking for the... Ar- <laughs> Wasn't this in the, the 80s? <laughs> he gave the interview in the 80s, yeah. All right. That's when Indiana Jones came out, right? <laughs> okay, got it. So people were clearly still dressing like that then. Obviously, especially archaeologists. So 
and they have bull whips, you know, and, and cool looking hats and they're digging for dinosaur bones and and Ark of the Covenant and things like that. And so what you know, imagine you're one of these guys and you got your little brush and you just kinda of brush up a UFO, boom. <laughs> boom, just like that. There it is. Yep, crazy. But to me that's mind blowing, right? That he asserts that here's this UFO that is has been in the earth for thousands of years and Bob Lazar I think <clears throat> claimed to have seen documents uh, telling about 10,000 years of mankind's oh, wow. interaction with UFOs and our subject Mr. Billy who had the honor and privilege of interviewing he actually got into a little bit of ancient history of UFOs himself as well so here is Mr. Billy telling us a little ancient history about UFOs. I've always thought there was association with uh, aliens and demons. And again, this goes back to our ancient a- alien situation, right? So, I think well, that it, was brief. That was very brief. That was the brief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to be longer, but yeah. <laughs> well, I thought we could expound on it. You know, so a lot of ancient alien theorists believe that angel encounters, demonic encounters, encounters with otherworldly entities in the Bible, of which obviously there's plenty. That's kind of what the Bible is about, if you think about it, that what we're really talking about here are extraterrestrials. And then we've got Bob Lazar talking about how we're, we have discovered at least one UFO in archaeological digs, making them ancient, possibly around before even humans were here. You know, earlier we talked about Dr. Heineck actually created the term close encounters of the third kind and talk about ancient aliens. It came out in our previous episode that Dr. Heineck actually gave Mr. Billy a call. And to me, this was one of the most significant aspects of our interaction with with Mr. Billy. We found out all, all kinds of things that were never released to the news, including this nearly mythological figure of Dr. Heineck giving Mr. Billy a call. Let's hear what Mr. Billy had to say about that phone call. Maybe it'll be more. Yeah, he told me, he said, I have gone all over the world to investigate this. He said, in places overseas where they have all these tribes, he said, I've had to have two interpreters because of the dialects. And he said, when we get all the stories, he said, all the stories describe the same thing. He said, that's scientific proof. things unexplained we'll be right back hey listeners i wanted to take a moment and tell you a bit about a business that we have encountered on some of our adventures over the past few months in a time when it feels like there's so much stress and uncertainty in our world scrub out cancer is still trying to do good for others scrub out cancer is a small charity-based business that offers bath and spa products for sale through www.scruboutcancer.com 
I just love their business concept because the more products they sell, the more they donate to cancer patients, their families, and their healthcare providers. As if that concept alone wasn't enough, these are some of the most creative and fun products that I have ever seen. We here at All Things Unexplained got our hands on some of the Yeti soaps to test out, and I cannot get over how wonderful they are. Not only are they a work of art, but they smell so incredibly delicious. In fact, my two-year-old keeps sneaking into my bathroom to try and eat mine because they look and smell that amazing. In addition to the Yeti line and some other super cheerful soaps that they make, they also make artisan soaps, lip products, body and spa products, and liquid soaps. Each soap is handcrafted and seriously a delight. If you want to bring some joy to someone in need right now, or just need to scrub 2020 off of you, head to scruboutcancer.com to order some. Be sure to use the promo code YETI10 to receive 10% off your entire order. That's Y-E-T-I-1-0. That code is valid through December 31st. Let's all scrub out cancer together. My friends and I had never made a podcast before, and to be honest, we had no idea how to get started. That's when we decided to check out Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain a couple of things. First of all, it's free. Second of all, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are listening to All Things Unexplained. He told me, he said, I have gone all over the world to investigate this. He said, in places overseas where they have all these tribes, he said, I've had to have two interpreters because of the dialect. And he said, when we get all the stories, he said, all the stories describe the same thing. He said, that's scientific proof. I actually wanted to make sure Smitty was paying attention there. That's why you played it twice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, it, was an, it was important enough to play it two times. Well, I thought it was significant. It tied into our prehistory, the prehistory section of our timeline <clears throat> here. Because Mr. Billy, or, or Dr. Heineck, decides to tell Mr. Billy that, hey, he's talked to these tribes, these tribes that uh, date back possibly further than any other uh, humans that, we, that are known to man, right? And no matter how far apart they are and how separate they are by language and geography, they all told the same tales about interactions with UFOs. Uh, that's a pretty powerful statement right there. I think you're right. I mean, you know, you look at any of that kind of stuff, and we were talking about Sasquatch being some person that I know, and we are talking about how many people had saw that and they described basically the same thing over and over and over again so it's it's you know after a while it lends some validity to what the claims are absolutely and it sounds like you are a subscriber to the bigfoot of extraterrestrial origin theory well no i don't know about that but i just know that i'm just saying in general when 
the same people describe the same thing in the same way that it's it's from different places that's odd if for it not to be in some sort of existence maybe especially when you think about these tribes that really haven't had too much exposure to other people or the internet or you know the idea of a conspiracy theory or what have you this is just a tale that they've passed on generation to generation or what they truly have seen with their own eyes they're not as distracted as we are looking down or looking at themselves or looking at what's around them but you know actually looking up to the sky and seeing what's out there yeah, even knowing what technology is, really, basically. I saw one tribe, when was that, in the 90s, that they'd never even been in contact with anybody before. They were, like, throwing spears at a helicopter coming over, didn't know what it was. So, you know, it's... Yeah. Uh, and, and you um, know, Bob Lazar gave two interesting analogies to what you just said, Smitty, about technology being viewed by someone in the in the distant past or even the near past and one analogy he used was and, and this made him nervous about being tasked with reverse engineering ufos was that if you take a nuclear reactor and drop it back let's say in neanderthal days or even in the 40s which we're about to talk about well maybe the 40s isn't a good example let's let's go back to neanderthal days you got, you got these Neanderthals, right? And they, you got this glowing thing, and they're going to start poking at it, right? And you know what's going to happen to all of them? They're all going to die. They're, it's going okay. to kill every one of them. And so Bob Lazar was actually seriously worried about his job of reverse engineering it, a fantastically advanced piece of technology because of that. He also gave this analogy that if you took a motorcycle and you dropped it back into horse and buggy days that you know people would because he talked about how some of their engineers figured out how to fly the ufo and you're, you're thinking well if it's millions of years advanced and we have no idea how it works how did they do that but he said you know you take this motorcycle you drop it back in horse and buggy days and people are going to poke at it and eventually somebody's going to put the key in and turn it on and crank it up and eventually somebody's going to become proficient at riding the motorcycle. But at no point is any of them ever, ever going to be able to make another one. And they're not going to figure out what in the heck's going on with combustion or the gasoline, any of it. But they will be able to turn it on. They will be able to become good at riding around town, impressing all the ladies in, the, you know, in their bonnets and stuff in the, in the buggies. Bonnets. <laughs> 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 or maybe a lady figures out how to ride it. Uh, and he, he talked about that, that, you know, and I thought those were great analogies. So basically, moving on here in our timeline, we had dinosaurs and the Old Testament and Revelations and lots of great things happened in Revelations. And you know what? Pretty much nothing else happened to the 40s. So we're going to just skip ahead to the 40s. The 1940s. Boy, did we have a lot of stuff happen in the 40s. Not the least of which, unfortunately, was World War II, which my dad served in, World War II, under Patton. And I know, Smitty, you're kind of a World War II expert on some level, aren't you? 
Yeah, pretty much. I'm an expert on most anything. <laughs> Armchair expert. History, anyhow. I'm just history-wise. Yeah. Both of my grandfathers served in World War II as well. That's amazing. My granddaddy, my granddaddy was World War II vet. And five of my great uncles. Wow. I'm not, and I'm not so sure what they'd be thinking of me drinking this barren Weiss beer here, but that's okay. I'm, I'm sure they're fine with it. So, so much happened in the '40s. It was just amazing in terms of <laughs> the very brief history of UFOs. And Mr. Billy actually talked a little bit about World War II, and even in the midst of World War II, we had fighter pilots having UFO encounters. And here's Mr. Billy telling us a little bit about that and of course he really amazed us with his uh, recall and knowledge of so much in the world in world in world war ii they, these things followed our planes and followed the german planes and we each thought it was other side secret weapon and they called them food fighters F-O-O. now smitty did you ever get any extra study in of food fighters uh I don't think so. Uh, know what kamikaze pilots? I know the Black Sheep Squadron. I know uh, B-52s, B-25s, all those belly gunners, that kind of thing. And I'm not 100% sure about the Foo Fighters, except the band. You know, I like the band, the Foo Fighters. I never yeah. listened to I'm that. I'm a pretty big fan, too. That band, that was a little outside of my... Stop it. Conf- no. Yes, you have. I couldn't tell you one Foo Fighter song. Well, I'll tell you. You should take a listen. Yeah. Well, anyway, apparently in World War II, all sides were having encounters with these Foo Fighters, which were apparently UFOs, unidentified flying objects, that neither side had, had any idea what they were, whose side they were on, whether they were friendly, whether they were uh, the enemy. Nobody knew, but even in the middle of World War II, amidst all that chaos, we were having UFO encounters. Of course, later in the 40s... Now, has anybody else offered up... Sorry. Has anybody else offered up a theory? I have not heard any other theories about Foo Fighters except for this. I have seen comparisons, not only between how Mr. Billy described UFOs and how... Bob Lazar described UFOs and how so many of these other folks have described UFOs and how our current military fighters are describing UFOs and capturing them on film, on radar. And now, of course, the Pentagon has even launched a new task force to study this mm-hmm. phenomenon. And to me, that's that's the wildest and the biggest parallels that... Even these things they were having encounters with during World War II, our our trained military pilots and service men and women are still having wow. encounters with the same types of objects. Well, I will say this: that during World War II, most of your cl- planes were clearly marked with some sort of marking that identified what country they were from. So that's pretty pretty impressive that all of these couldn't identify the Foo Fighters 
Because, you know, the Japanese would have the red sun. Germans, the Iron Cross. So I believe the Italians had their flag usually painted on most of their planes. So it does show some credence that all these saw this and couldn't identify it because most all the planes were identifiable by country. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know what? If a, if somebody did dare fly a craft in World War II in enemy territory, that that was pretty bold, right? Like, that was pretty much asking to get shot down. Well, I mean, they, they had a lot of bombing raids and stuff, but they'd have, they'd have fighter pilots, you know, accompanying the uh, the bombers, usually. And, and they flew some missions, a good many, but... A lot of it was bombing raids, and they would have, like I said, they'd have fighter pilots as a convoy, I guess you could say. Convoy is more of a term we use for vehicles, but you know. I think I've heard that term before, now that you say that there, Breaker 1-9. Yeah, convoy. <laughs> what this rubber duck. What is your 20 there, <laughs> CJ? My twenty. Yep. Yeah, she probably doesn't know what. Like my means. age. No, you're twenty. <laughs> your location. That's a term. What's your ten twenty? She's uh, east of the Rockies. Well, I'd be in an. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like breaker breaker one nine. What's your ten twenty there, Mal? Broadcasting live What's the east 10 of mean? the Rockies. It's just part of the code. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not in the club, okay. sorry. So, till you get a big Apparently. antenna and a pickup truck, you're you're not welcome. I I suppose I might not ever be in that club. <laughs> what were you? What were you saying, did sweetie? Did you ever see me mount? Of course I did. We what? Of course I did. Our number one pastime <laughs> in college was CB tag. Oh. Did would imply that you used to have one. Yeah, what was your hand? You do have one currently still. Who, me? No, no, Tim. <laughs> what was your handle? My my handle was the hammer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Mine was bullet man. Yours was what? Bullet man. Bullet man? Oh yep. boy. Uh I think I remember a few encounters my squad had with Bullet Man Squad. Uh, they never were brave enough to show up, of course, but whatever. They would kind of keep their distance until they faded out, you know, and just kind of annoying we, like that. But we probably didn't want to play uh, Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> so we didn't show up. Hey, winner takes all, Dungeons and Dragons. I want to see you beat the Gorgon, okay? Yeah. All right, moving along here. So it it really is interesting to me how we had World War II, basically 1939 to 1945. We were even having UFO encounters in the midst of World War II. And then just two years after, 1947, without a doubt, the most influential event and all of ufology takes place. 
What was that event, guys? Roswell, New Mexico. Bingo. Nailed it. CJ. No idea what Smitty. Yeah, I got it. I just want to point out that Smitty did not get that one right. That would be Smitty on the poor wireless. What? I said Area 51. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> That's in Roswell, New Mexico. No. First of all, Area 51 did not exist in yet. Nevada. Second of all, your wireless is very poor. <laughs> Whatever. I'm on, like, my internet. Like, we have internet. You're the one that keeps freezing up. We every- have internet. <laughs> Finally got wireless internet. Proud of y'all, and but no, obviously the most influential event in UFOlogy and UFO history was the Roswell incident. Now, if you're not familiar with the Roswell incident, this is when in Roswell, New Mexico, 1947, something crash lands onto this fellow's field out on his property, he finds a debris field, supposedly he finds bodies out there as well. Next thing you know, the military shows up. We've got things being hauled off, pieces of things, you know, flatbed trucks taking them away. We've got military officers seeing bodies being hauled off. And the military themselves initially describe a flying saucer crash in Roswell, New Mexico. Now, it didn't take them long to backtrack on that. But to this day, Roswell is without a doubt the preeminent event in UFOlogy. Back to 1947. Clearly, Roswell, I have no idea what this was. Are you in the kitchen, Smitty? No. I don't know. My wife was throwing something okay. Made a big sound on here. <laughs> so Roswell was clearly one of the most influential events in all of ufology through, throughout the world. And Mr. Billy told us a little bit about his opinion on Roswell as, uh, as well. Art, what do you think about what happened in Roswell in 1947? I think that's where I we mean, got our uh, intelligence for the making the... Uh, Oh, what's this new cable? That, what's this new stuff, cable they use now to send all the messages and all through lasers? In it. What do you call that? Well, there's a lot of work. Yes, there's a lot of work with quantum, quantum mechanics, and then there's the. Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the cable that's buried in the ground that connects all this. What's it called? Fiber optics. Fiber optics. Cable. Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, fiber optics. I've had a man explain to me how I can send so many messages, and they do it with different colored laser lights. I think that and the uh, computer chip is we got out of the crash UFO was. So, like Mr. Billy was saying, Roswell was a very interesting, compelling event, or remains so today. We talked about we had World War II from 1939. Wait, just to go back. Yep. So he's thinking we got fiber optics from the Roswell incident? Yes. He is thinking that. Not only is he thinking that, but Mr. Billy, he noticed that that we've had 
some epic advances in technology since Roswell. Mm -hmm. And I think it's hard to, to deny that. You might say, okay, maybe not since Roswell specifically, but certainly since World War II, we've had exponential advances in technology. And of course, Mr. Billy, he kind of was digging into reverse engineering of UFOs here, just like we've heard Bob Lazar tell us about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there certainly has been a ton of advancements in technology in the past 60 or so years. And the Bob Lazar thing was interesting because he was, his was more like anti-gravity, right? He found a, the reactor he was working on had technology that was far beyond anything that we have here on Earth. And he was saying that reactor was harnessing anti-gravity in some way. Right. Well, not only... Not sure what that has to do with fiber optics, but... Well, probably, you know, maybe more than you realize because... Bob Lazar said these craft actually had no wires in them whatsoever. Nobody knew how energy went from one part of the craft to another. But Bob Lazar did introduce some other things that were way ahead of their time, including Element 115. He brought this up in the 80s, well before it had actually been uh, stabilized or in the lab. He brought up gravitational waves in the 80s. This is before gravitational waves were even proven to exist. This this only happened very recently that gravitational waves were have been proven to exist. So validating Albert Einstein, validating Stephen Hawking, and as it were, validating Bob Lazar and Dr. Hynek, who we know are going to talk about and see that mentioned he believed the UFOs harness the power of gravity. He told that to Mr. Billy himself. So a lot of a lot of interesting technological things happening and, and this Roswell incident kind of seems to be at the center of all of it if you look at it in a particular way. And of course Well let's look at it in a particular order. Yes. So if we went from the forties <laughs> the next I like order it. would be the fifties. Well so what happened that? So I want to say, before we hit the 50s, if this is okay, CJ, we have Roswell 1947. I mean, if you must. <laughs> well, I, th I feel like I had to point out immediately, almost immediately, just two months after the Roswell incident, by coincidence or not, we have the Air Force is formed. Mm. Not only was the Air Force formed, but we have this formation of the CIA. Now, you tell me, this is a big coincidence, right? This Roswell incident. Now, is that right? The Air Force was formed after Roswell? Yes. It, You're certain of well, that? Well, the Air Force was combined with the Army, I believe, and Smitty might could validate that uh, assertion. I can't really remember. I just know that we had fighter pilots in World War One. I. I don't know if they were technically the Air Force. They might have been part of the Navy. Yeah, my buddy was a Marine pilot in Vietnam, so. Yep, and, but one thing I do know so for listen, sure. I'm, I'm just reading an article right now just 
who knows if this is true or not. It's on history.com. And it's talking about the incident in um, Roswell, New Mexico. And it said that the gentleman who found it called the local sheriff. The local sheriff called the nearby Air Force base. Right. And the Air Force didn't exist at the time of Roswell, but it was combined with the Army, I believe. So it was actually called the Army Air Force or the or the Air Force Army. Okay. And so what happened was a couple months later that the Air Force became its own branch of the military, so its own own service branch. Okay. So we have the military feeling the need to form to you know give the Air Force its own branch. We have our government forming the CIA just a couple of months after Roswell. And of course, Mr. Billy, if it's okay, CJ, he had a little bit to tell us about the CIA as well. Man that came, the deputy sheriff that came got me that night that first spotted this one in 1977 to get my camera. I had bought my picture of it, Canon AE-1. He won't talk about it now. If anybody asked him, he'll say, no, I made that story up because he got so much flack from it. Even the CIA got involved in it. And the, this deputy now that I was talking about a while ago, how the government was, the CIA warned him not uh, one of the national, I think it was the National Enquirer, offered him a bunch of money for his story. And they, they advised him, uh, no, they warned him not to uh, divulge it. And he asked the sheriff about it, and the sheriff said, well, I'll advise you to do what they say, but I'm not going to tell you to do what you want to. So they hushed things up like that. So to me, we got all these threads tying together. You know, we got Roswell, we got the CIA being informed. Mr. Billy's incident, you know, he tells us the CIA, they're coming in men in black style and hushing things up. And like CJ said, of course, on came the 50s. Next time on All Things Unexplained. point was Elvis was carried away in the UFO, okay? <laughs> That's the point. Thank you. Thank you for this. <laughs> And the sheriff answered the phone, and then a minute he said, hold on, talk to this man, he was there, and he had me phone. And it was Dr. Hines. This has been All Things Unexplained. He is just letting him rip over there. <laughs> Well, be be specific, yawning. I'm not letting them rip. There's a little bit of a different different thing there in the south. You're letting them rip. That means something totally different. It's all gas, okay? You did do a good job of not tapping on the desk this time. I don't even know what you're talking about, huh?